Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week, he is the king of butt joints, the one and only Ed Johns. What's going on, man? How you doing? Great, man. Yeah, thanks for, for inviting me. This is, uh, should be a good time. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great because we are the only two people in the entire universe that are not at WorkbenchCon this weekend. <laughs> exactly. That's my qualifications for this call, right? Right. <laughs> so. Hey, you listen, I put out a call. I'm like, hey, if anyone's not going to Maker Camp and you want to record Friday afternoon, let me know. And well, Ed comes, Ed goes, I'm available. I'm like, well, let's do it. Sounds good to me. Let's rock and roll. We could, we could surely put together uh, a fun and entertaining program. <laughs> Right. That's interesting because I could probably have just like driven to your house because you're you're like an hour away. You're not even on the other side of the country or anything. It's it's why it is kind of wild. Like it's like this is this I'll I will chat with you here and the next time I see you will either be at Maker Camp or at Jimmy's. Like it's wild. Like we right. live so close to each other and we will never bump into each other. It's like Right. Well, yeah, I mean New Jersey guys are like that, right? I mean, I guess yeah. it's because like the whole maker community, like that Northeast is so dense. Like you're always meeting other people. Like, I don't know where you are. Like, yeah, I'm around the corner. Like, and we usually, we usually meet each other at maker camp. Like, Oh, do you know so-and-so he's from New Jersey? It's like, no, who's that guy? Well, it's, 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 so I used to live in Suffern, which is where Rob Rojas lives. Rob literally lived five minutes from where I lived. I never saw him in Suffern. I saw him twice by Jimmy. (laughs) <laughs> it's like right. you have to drive two hours north to see a guy I live five minutes away from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, that seems but, like a, I was going to say most of us like it that way. You know, we like our our friend interaction and planned intervals, and then we kind of recharge our batteries and we're good for six months. You know. <laughs> I think I do think there's something to that. I think the idea. You know, we always talk about how makers are very isolated and very soloistic in the work that they do. I think we like it that way. I think we like right. being able to put our friends away at the end of the day and go, okay, good. I've seen them. And if I want to see them again, I can go see them, but I don't have them like, you know, there's not like this yeah. tortuous interference in my life. It's like <laughs> healthy boundaries, you know? So, exactly. It's, a, exactly. it's all on your phone. So you could just mute that chat for a couple hours if you're like, I had enough, you know? So, you, yeah. you, are, you are one of those guys, you are one of the guys, especially with, with the Northeast people, you're one of those guys that everyone around here seems to know. Like we've all chatted with you at some point or another We. Um, you and I are also in the, um, the working hands, but not working hands, um, makeshift, makeshift podcast group, which is an absolute hoot. I, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the, one of the best reasons to support that podcast is to get into that chat. That chat is a right. riot. I don't even say much. I just read it. It's like reading the funny papers every day, but you have a reputation of being, I don't want to say a smart ass because I don't think you're a smart ass, but you have a reputation as being like the funny guy in the room, like the class clown, like everyone, you know, you tell someone that you're going to talk to Ed Johns and it's like, oh, dude, he's hysterical. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. So before we get into how you became known as the clown prince of Northeast makers, (laughs) um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, the kind of stuff you make, the kind of stuff you do and so on and so forth. Yeah. um, So I I make for for fun and you know, relaxation generally. Um, I have a, a real job that, you know, it's a corporate job, but it's good or whatever, but <laughs> it's nothing related to, you know, what I, what I, what I make. Um, okay. I like, to, I like to call myself a woodworker. Uh, but I, I think in, in woodworking, I'm still kind of a, a novice, you know? Um, well, you sharpened a pencil, right? Uh, yeah. I put it, <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I put it in the lathe. So you are yeah. a woodworker. <laughs> exactly. Um, then uh, I have I own a Harbor Freight welder and I've uh, proven that I can 
makes some metal stick together sometimes. So I guess I'm a welder now too. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, yeah, I really like to, to concentrate on, you know, the, the traditional woodworking stuff, but um, I think I have some flexibility in terms of like, Oh, that looks cool. Let me go try that, you know, or, or so I don't have that need to like make money to eat, you know? So sure. Sure. Um, I, I, there's, there's a part of, I think all of us that are like, Oh man, you know, it'd be great if we could just be full-time makers, but then it's the other parts like, yeah, but then I have to make, you know, like you can't, right. um, you have less flexibility and freedom then. Right. So, um, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I've done some metalworking, woodworking, a uh, little bit of leather, you know, knife sheaths. I just got a laser. Um, this is digitally creative, right? So yep, uh, we sure can probably is. talk about that. <laughs> done a little bit of 3D printing. So kind of like the, uh, you know, the Renaissance uh, man, a little bit of everything or uh, as my, my dad used to say, you're a jack of all trades, master of none, you know, so yeah. Um, a lot of this is like a challenge or, or like an exploration of like, oh, let's see if I could do that. Sure. And then most of the time it's like, okay, cool. I've done that. Now I'm no longer interested in it. Let's go find something else that's shiny, you know? <laughs> so. I, I have that. I have that a lot. Like I, I, I love being a skill collector. I do. I, I think it's my favorite thing more so than making is trying dabbling in something, becoming just as Bob said, Bob nailed it the day he was talking about being a generalist. And he said, he doesn't want to be an expert in anything. He just wants to be competent. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like, I don't need to be an expert in anything I do to be happy doing it. Like, I will never go down the rabbit hole that some people go down with, like, woodworking in particular. Like, I will never sit there and do hand-cut dovetail joints. It's just never going to be a thing for me. I'm all about, I'm all about butt joints, ironically right. enough. But, you know, it's just, it's not my thing. I don't want to do that. I want to... I want to learn the woodworking. I want to make the thing, but then I want to go, okay, you know what I'm interested in this week? Miniature painting. Like, like why? I don't know, but that's what I'm interested in this week. That's what I want to, you know, focus all my attention on and do that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. No, I don't have anything against the hand cut dovetails or all that. Me neither. Like, no, you know, me I mean, neither. I'd love to get to that, but sometimes it's like, Hey, I just want to build a thing rather than make this the absolute, <laughs> you know journey of a thousand hours into this dresser you know or, or whatever I, it is i need a coffee table not an art piece <laughs> right and i'm you know where i have a six-year-old daughter so if i spent you know 300 hours like crafting a coffee it's gonna have crayons and sharpies and all kind of dumb stuff <laughs> on it in a week right so it is um, it is interesting though that you brought something up that just recently started coming up on this show which is the that that whole the I have a job and I don't want making to be my I don't need making to be my job. I'm happy with my job and using making to get away from it. In fact, they just did a whole episode on um on clamp, you know, about does your hobby need to make you money? And I'm, I'm finding that people are starting to reassess because a couple of years ago, had you asked that question, no one would say no. Everybody would be like, no, if you can make money making, make money making and quit your day job and if you have to make YouTube content to pay. But I'm noticing more people now are like, I don't want to make for a living. I want to make for fun when I'm not do. I want the I want to kind of bring the harmony and the peace back to making, rather than right. the work. Yeah, and that's not to say I don't enjoy money. I, I would love some extra. I, but I think we all do. I would love to have some. <laughs> right. But I actually had this conversation with David uh, Wiedemann in, in Clubhouse. Um, so if you 
you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I want to get away from my job, which just sucks so much, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but if you flip that script and you're like, well, this job isn't great. There's some parts of it that are fine, but mm. it's not like getting tortured in Guantanamo, you know? Um, so <laughs> <a> low bar. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, if, if I do this job now, I have the money and, and it enables me to go and then do what I want to do after work. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it becomes a question of like, where's your fulfillment coming from? Um, and fulfillment as far as like, you know personal uh just that deep down core like oh yeah this is right this is what i'm supposed to be doing um but uh, you know we all live in the real world so unfortunately a lot of times that doesn't pay the bills you know so like you kind of have to have this be this master of balance you know so i always when i first started because we make which was the predecessor to the show i always used to ask the question at the end one of the things i always asked every guest what does fulfillment for you mean in all the time I was asking that question, I don't think anyone ever said going out to the shop and making stuff. Like I really don't think any, usually what the fulfillment came from is learning a skill that they could teach to somebody or having somebody say they inspired them. It was never, you know, making a lot of money. You know, it was never, it was never being super successful. I don't think anyone in all the years I asked that question, which is one of the reasons I stopped asking it, I don't think anyone ever said being successful was the end was the end goal. I think everybody, and I think that's kind of what's turning people now more towards, hey, making is okay as your passion pursuit rather than your first your first um, source of income. Right. Yeah. Uh for me it's more of like a piece right like i could literally Mm -hmm. go in in the shed and uh in the garage and and like sort screws for an hour and it's just i have the smell of sawdust out there my tools are on the it's this is my my fortress of solitude right like it's your happy place yeah yeah i don't listen to news in there like you're not allowed to come in there and fight with me like this is this is my (laughs) this is my temple here you know so how long have you been? How long have you been doing this kind of stuff? How long have you been woodworking? Like, how long have you, would you say you consider yourself a maker? I mean, yeah. So I, I thought about that recently over the past two years, and uh, I think pretty much since being a little kid. Wow. Um, so like my dad, but he was a firefighter, but he he renovated apartments for in Jersey City for uh, you know a side job. Okay. And like, we were one of those families that if we had a call, like a plumber or electrician, like something was really, really wrong. Like, I, I sure. think we, we hired a roofer once and, uh, like my dad's had a firefighter friend who was an HVAC guy and we kind of half hired him and helped him to put in the AC. Like we, we did everything ourselves. So like I was probably 10 and knew how to like do sheetrock and, you know, isn't that wild? Yeah. And, and you don't so. even realize you're learning it until one day the skill is embedded in your brain and you go to do something like, where did I learn that? Oh, right. You know, just my my dad, it was the same way with my dad. Like he never formally taught me woodworking and I thought I didn't pick that much up from him. But then when I took my Steve Ramsey's woodworking course back in 2017, I was like, I like there was weird muscle memory for things I'd never done before. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more, you know, and like he, he never really had a workshop. Like we had a shed and we would put, drag everything out on sawhorses in the backyard mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. raining we didn't do anything but like i think just just creating and making and repairing mostly repairing because when you own a house and no money like you just figure it out you know yep. um but uh yeah and then 
like more formally like hey i have a nice table saw or i'm doing joinery or whatever that that's within the past probably three or four years um because where i live now i have a, a garage and that's a dedicated area you know mm-hmm. um but like if you listen to dave bauer stuff on the um, making problems sure. with stuff mm-hmm. i don't know if he's uh like made these maker profiles but if you listen to one after another after another you're like there's probably three or four different origin stories right and you Mm -hmm. kind of fit in the one of those it's like oh my dad just did everything or like i saw something on youtube and i wanted to do it and i loved it or like or like one other variant like right so it's like and then you when you listen to his stuff it's like oh we're a lot more alike than we are you know different Yeah, the it, it it is interesting. There's it, you know he's he and I. It's funny that he and I have noticed similar patterns about different things. Like for me, you know, he he always talks about he talks about how like musicians tend to be computer people, and like there's always a connection between the two. And I've always said one of the things I've always said is that computers are um, music is kind of like math. You know, it's like it's, you know, steps and half steps. And, you know, if once you understand that your perception of what music is kind of shifts a little bit, that's when you start learning. Maybe I can't read music, but I can play music, you know, and, you know, computer people that don't want to sit at their desk anymore, that want to be doing something tangible. They don't want to produce something digital. They want to produce an actual item. And there are all these, like you said, these similar profiles that we all kind of fall into either in how we started or why we do what we do. Yeah, and it, it's funny you say that. My uh, my boss, I, I work for a, a software company, mm-hmm. um, and early on, he's he's always been in the music, but he's like, oh, it's just an equation, you know, four, eight, yeah. sixteen, whatever. Yeah, and I was like, okay, and then um, and then I think like a lot of what I do is like thinking of process, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we want to do this. This is what we have. How do we get there? But all these other criteria. So then when when you think of uh, like woodworking, it's like, oh, well, I can't glue it together before I do this. And then I need to sand the inside. And so it's the same kind of process right. flow because you're always setting up for the next procedure, you know? I've been consulting. I've been consulting over the last couple of days. I just formally started consulting on this. I'm actually consulting on a patent application. And it's like, I don't know anything <laughs> about this, right? So what did I get? I got a sample patent. I got the data sheet and I'm working with someone and we're basically actually just this morning I had, um, you know, like a one hour call just as a regroup. And I'm probably going to have one after we're done recording today, just another regroup of where we're at. And it's wild. Like it's so much fun. And you know, you look at the drudgery of it, like writing a patent is very specific. The language is specific. The format is specific. And yet I'm I'm working on this and I'm enjoying it so much. I'm like, okay, so this section is, okay, this is what they need here. So how do we put our product into this format? And it's that problem solving, you know, like you said, process oriented thing. Like, oh, we have the thing. We need to explain the thing in such a way that we can protect the thing so that it's our thing. You right. Know? It's, it's, it's so much, it's, it's such an odd outside the box thing. And yet I'm enjoying it tremendously like I'm, I'm excited about doing this one bit of consulting more so than any consulting i've done so right well yeah, you, you kind of have the outline though right like you need this this and this and then how do you fit into that right so what we have what we have is a patent period just a formal patent and we are just conforming the information we have about our product 
to fit that format, which okay. sounds really easy until you realize what goes into a patent. It's like, wow, <laughs> right. there's a lot of information in that three pages of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, well, the, actually, I'm kind of reminded of when I was an EMT. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so every emergency scene is a little different, right? But sure. in training, they're like, okay, be, you break it down. Like, we got to triage this. Like, hey, what, what? what resources do I need? Okay. I number paid. And so like, if you can take all this craziness and trauma and everything else, and then fit it into this outline, it works for like 90 plus percent of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just in this conversation right here, I'm thinking like, Oh, we're just, we just did the same thing three times, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is funny, right? Like, and people, and that's why I think that's why I like Dave's podcast so much because he comes at it from a theme where makers are problem solvers by their very nature. And when you think about how much problem solving you do, like I was watching you as you in the group and as you were coming up with your um, Make What You Fear 2023 project, this, we're going <laughs> to talk about it in a second, which is it's okay. absolutely batshit. I love it. But, you know, watching you come together with it and watching you, I remember when you started buying the parts and then I remembered, you know, you're talking about attaching stuff and it not really attaching very well. And it's like, yeah, I remember all those. Like, <laughs> right. You know, the problem being, how do I get to what's in your head from these ridic- this ridiculous pile of parts? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so we're jumping right into that topic. We can or... we can talk about it. Sure, <laughs> let's talk about it now because why the hell not? Because today isn't today is the last day for it, right? Or was it? Uh, uh, yeah, it was Tuesday. Was it... So the, the last Tuesday. day of okay. last day of February. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, everybody's project is out, so no one's going to copy you at this point. And I saw yours. I watched it being formed and i hadn't seen the final reel until this morning actually okay um and i'm looking at it going holy crap he got it to work because right. i wanted to know if you got it to work before we had you on here so we could either talk about your incredible success or your ridiculous fail <laughs> it freaking right. worked i was right. so impressed so yeah all right so i don't do, do a lot of your viewers uh listeners listen to uh, working hands or should we give them like, there's a there's a lot of overlap but feel free to elaborate <laughs> All right, so Working Hands is uh, Working Hands podcast is uh, our friends uh, Keith and Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of a general maker sort of podcast. There's a lot of shop talk, um, and then they do a lot of uh, you know like uh, jokes or like inside kind of talk. Where if you're a follower, you would get like the whole pencil sharpener scandal, you know, all that stuff. Which, unbelievable <laughs> that that thing blew up the way it did it's like it, it was big and then of course jimmy did it and it's like oh my god yeah. well, jimmy did it now we all have to do it right <laughs> um so last year i think was the first year they they had a challenge called make what you fear mm-hmm. and last year's so it was basically hey we're we're gonna issue a challenge to the maker community um to do a project and then submit it and then there's prizes and judging and all this stuff um, last year's challenge was uh, use a material that you're not normally uh, you don't you normally work with. Mm-hmm. So like a woodworker could use metal or leather or you know whatever, and a blacksmith could use wood. Except you know they they didn't they left it pretty wide open, and there was some crazy stuff that came out of there. Um, a granite urinal. <laughs> yeah, that's Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I gotta I gotta look up. By the way, I gotta look up who made that because I want to have a picture of it in the video version. Yeah, of this, but I don't was, remember uh, who made it. Matt Sutter, first do construction. You're so, the best. You're yeah. the best. I should, I should, I should start having a co-host again. <laughs> right. No, he he's a really cool guy. He was at the Timber Inn. We we got to hang out. Um, so he's a primarial woodworker. Um, he's setting up a, 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 a like wood sails, like slabs, and uh, 
rounds and stuff. And he's he's a firefighter too. So oh, cool. Yeah. So first do firefighter, like first do construction. It it kind of that <laughs> works. That works. Yeah. Yeah. So he made a urinal. Chris Fullsteam made a uh, a cast metal gas cap for his wooden car. And then I made uh, two different knives, two different ways with two different sheaths. So it was it was it was about fifty hours of work last week, uh, last year. Um, so then this year, I think uh, Keith and Tony, like they had a, and I think Chad was back then too. There was it was a three person podcast instead of two, but I think they had hours and hours and hours of judging just because mm-hmm. of the range of product. Um, so this year they decided to reel it back a little bit, and they said, okay, well you know like. Well, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but, uh, you know, it's January. Everybody's like in this New Year's kind of thing. Let's do something that is themed for uh, active lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And they left it at that. So whatever that is to you, go make something, right? Which I love. Yeah. And I think they were like expecting like, oh, a leather armband for your phone when you're like running or like, you know, a, a, a weight rack or or, you know, if you're a turner, you make a baseball bat or like, you know, just like things like that. So then, but then they had me on the, the freaking podcast and Keith will deny it to the day, but we're all drinking and uh, he he's putting me in the spot. What's your idea? What's your idea? And then I was like, oh, what about like a Flintstones powered pedal, like a foot car? Uh-huh. And then during this and the after show, that idea kind of developed into, well, like that's kind of like not really useful. Right. So let's make it like pedal car with like bicycle wheels and then my inspiration was actually a guy in ghana in africa he's like this guy in some village somewhere and he fixes bicycles and he was on like national news because he made something that it looks like a uh, i think he did a bmw or a mercedes jeep i was like i want to make that if this dude in africa can do it like i have an entire shop full of tools <laughs> and like right right so uh yeah so then uh, it started off after that and uh it was like all right and i've never done anything like this so it was just like a design challenge and uh actually my whole plan is on that piece of cardboard that's in one of my stories uh, one oh of my wow posts. okay yeah i was like all right this seems like it'll work time to get going you know <laughs> so what could go wrong everything's yeah. gonna be fine i mean i got nothing to lose right it's just like hundreds of dollars in time right um so then I essentially just bought, I ordered two brand new Huffy bicycles from walmart.com and they showed up and then I put them together, rode them. There's a, a reel of me doing the Napoleon dynamite jump thing. That's kind of funny. And then uh, I cut them apart with a grinder. <laughs> so then, and uh, during that, I was like, man, 10 year old me would think I'm awesome, dude. Like I just bought two <laughs> brand new bikes and cut them apart. So uh, yeah. And, it's uh, a bold, it was a bold, it was a bold idea when you, I did. I, I didn't listen to the after show, so I didn't know where it was going. But then, as I started to see it come together, I'm like, "This guy's insane! I love it!" Like, right. It was like at the same time, like, "There's no way that's going to work." And then <laughs> that's pretty smart. <laughs> like he, he made it yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, I think design wise, it, it was probably not the most effective way to do it. But uh, I was like, "Oh, let's just make it out of two by fours. Like, get like a Benueta sort of like you know anybody can do this sort of vibe." And, like I bought. I- yeah, that's on. what I loved about your project, by the way. I just want you to know that, like, that's what I loved about your project. Like, you didn't use like you know sheet titanium and you know whatever. <laughs> right. Like this was a this was a very as ridiculous as it is. It's a very approachable project. It's it's great. Right. And like Keith was like begging me, come down here and get my MIG welder. Come down here and get my MIG welder. And I'm like, ah, I mean, I just want to like see if I can do it with my little. 
when I bought that Harbor Freight welder, it's it's flux core and it was an eighty nine dollar welder. So like, perfect. <laughs> they're a little bit more now, but like it's the crappiest welder you can buy. Okay. Um, Spatters and, uh, like a mother. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I mean, I, I spent like fifty bucks at onlinemetals dot com. They send it to your house in a tube, and then everything else came from Home Depot. So perfect. like. Yeah, like pretty much anybody can do this if you have a vice and a place to do it, you know? So um, it was really just like cutting little tabs and welding those onto the bike and then bolting it together with two by fours. Um, and then, you know, when it, when it broke, I had to go get bigger wood and bigger bolts. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if I had laid it out and used like aluminum channel and this and that, and the other, it would be a lot better. But like, I kind of wanted to do it the the crude way just to show that it could be done, you know. I think the fact I think the fact that you did it that way and it works is way more impressive than had it been like obsessively engineered and perfectly designed and right. you know, start 3D printing joints and stuff and, you know. Right. I don't know if I had time for that though. Like that was the other <laughs> thing, right? So 2 months sounds like a long time, but like, you know, it's not. I if if you had 2 months, you know, 40 hours a week just this yeah you could come up with something awesome but if you have you know a life and a job and a kid and everything else like it, it comes up fast you know well this is why i mean i'm not even gonna lie this is why i generally don't do challenges i mean last year for make what you fear my make what you fear project wasn't one that i did for the for the challenge itself it was a project i'd already done but i was hand painting it and if anyone knows me up until about this year hand painting was something i just didn't do like right. no freaking way am I hand painting anything? Never terrified to paint, never happy with the results. Right. That was one of the first things I've hand painted. I don't want to say in my life, but it's one of a very short list to that point that I had ever hand painted. And I was terrified of doing it because there was a definite order of operations to it. But realistically that project was happening, whether the challenge happened or not, I am terrible at challenges. <laughs> I don't generally do them. Like if, if, if it's a charity thing and it's like makers do something for charity, I'm in. I don't right. care who's doing it. I don't care what it is. I'm in. If it's a challenge, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm not even going to lie. And I'll support the people doing it. I'll vote. I'll donate a gift if I need to. But it's just not it's not my thing. And it's funny because I don't know this year, like this year, the, the, the category of active lifestyle. I'm like, I don't really live an active lifestyle. Like this isn't my bag, but I'm seeing what people are doing. I'm like, man, if I was just more creative, I probably could have come up with something. Right. Well, I mean, you saw what Lucas did, right? Uh, Lucas man made. I did not. Oh my God, dude. He made a pedal powered bandsaw. Oh, so he was the one doing that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I, so uh, I knew about the project. I didn't know who was actually making it. Yeah. That, that was Lucas. So, and uh, wow. I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, that was a, a pretty skill wise. I think he's more than capable, but design wise, that was a, that was a challenge to, uh, cause if you look at it, like the gizmosity factors, he's got chain drive to uh, U joints to belt drive. So he had three different Good drive Lord. systems and it did a 180 degree turn. And this whole rack thing he put together. That's so, wild. Uh, yeah, we're, and we we talk all the time, and he, and then I think about a week or two uh, before the end, we're like, we're just done with this man. <laughs> yeah, like we. Yeah, and I feel like that's it's it's interesting because on the surface this looks like an assembly and production challenge, right? Right. And then you realize that no, it's more of a design challenge than anything else because you get these wacky ideas. And unless it's one of those, just start carving on a piece of wood until it becomes what you want it to be. 
Right. It's actually really complicated. Like active lifestyle, you start thinking a bunch of different things. I, when they were talking to Dre and she wants, she wanted to just make a kettlebell, you know, and it's like, oh, that sounds easy enough. Make the mold, make a kettlebell. But then when you really think about it, it's like, yeah. oh, there is definitely an order of operations to make this work. Like this isn't just a simple, tiny little project. Well, and I'm, I mean, it, it becomes skill too, right? Because epoxy mm-hmm. is uh, its own animal. Like I've it done really is. a little bit. You know, uh, I made uh, the knife handles, and because before then I just used like five minute as an adhesive, which is fine. Everybody mm-hmm. can do that, but like when mm-hmm. you want to clear pour, no bubbles, this, that, and the other thing, like it, it takes practice and skill, just like anything else. You know, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> like I was trying to think, and it's it's funny you say that because I can tie it back to why I didn't do anything here. My skills don't lend themselves well to active lifestyle challenges. Like, what do I make? I make jewelry. I make cutting boards. You know, I make stuff like that. Like, I, I don't, maybe I could have come, I'm, again, maybe I could have come up with something. But I, I'm been, I've been amazed at how people have expanded the definition of active lifestyle. Like, your pedal car and the, a pedal-powered bandsaw and a resin a resin poured kettlebell. Like, you know, Keith's, even Keith's um, pickleball, his pickleball right. paddle. His pickleball paddle's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, I saw it in person, and he he was like oiling it for like a month. It was, like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds but about I mean, right. I think there were some guys who made like pretty functional stuff too. Like uh, Matt Sutter made some oars for his canoe, and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, Rob DeMarco he made a, a walking stick out of and it, he's a wood turner, so this thing is beautiful. It's like maple and walnut, and he did it where the, there's arches in it, and there's a big ball at the top. So like that's even something that he does every day. But he made this beautiful prod. So he went all skill you know mm-hmm. so i think it was uh yeah i'm sure you could have come up with something man like i i maybe i mean it's just yeah. active lifestyle is not my i mean dude i'm i'm six one i'm 270 pounds active lifestyle right. isn't really my well yeah um... i mean i'll stand up but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you but... fit the normal maker camp profile of a maker yes. <laughs> i really do hold on hold on for for visual representation here we go <laughs> yeah but yeah, no, it's but I do I, I've been enjoying I've been really enjoying like watching, you know, the projects starting to roll and it's actually it's a lot of fun. I I like I don't love participating in challenges, but I love watching when a bunch of people I know are participating in the same challenge. Right. And you start to see those end results start to come in. It's like, oh, these guys are just having a great time, aren't they? That's like the well, it's kinda of happened at the same time with that mallet challenge that birch told one with the, <laughs> the one that he destroyed everyone in. <laughs> but but if you but like if you look at like infinite craftsman tom i don't have you mm-hmm. talked to him yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like his idea for like a replaceable head mallet that's just a piece of angle iron you're like wow that is so it is smart genius. it's yeah it's smart. and there was that like all the like you know the people that didn't win there was so much like uh innovation and ideas and it's like oh wow like just something simple like a mallet because i mean like well birch turtles obviously isn't simple but i mean like i'll I'll turn them and you know on the lathe and then go to the timber and just whack the crap out of them but like Mm -hmm. so you go from literally a piece of wood to like that you know 100 hour work of art you know is like sure i saw it in um i saw it in um grant from uh dad crafted i saw it in his hand and on his instagram today and he was just holding the mallet because he's at workbench con and the mallet is there and he was just holding it in his hands, and I'm just like, Jesus, that thing is just <laughs> yeah. so insane. You know, I, 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 we, you know, makers talk about imposter syndrome a lot, and I think what the imposter syndrome can come from, 
And I think one of the origins that, you know, we don't really talk about is when you see stuff like the stuff that we've been seeing, you know, for the challenge or even like Nick's mallet or like stuff like that. When you see stuff like that and you know that that's beyond your skill level, I know the whole it's motivating. You're going to get better. I know I, I get all that. Cause I, think the same way like oh there's that's aspirational right i want to do that i'll get there mm-hmm. but there is a certain amount of you that just goes i not only am not there but unless i really dedicate a lot of time i will never be there you know and it's it's i think the imposter syndrome is a combination of i'm not there and i just don't have the bandwidth to get there yet i'm still considered in this lump of people you know? Yeah. So I yeah. Would my first thought there would be like, do I want to get there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then is it worth the journey, right? So like, if I look at like Chris Cash's stuff, it's like, do I want to oh. get there? You know, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <laughs> offense to Chris, obviously. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. You know, he he spent however many years right. becoming a blacksmith. Right. And perfect it's like, example, by the way. Would I like to get there? Uh, maybe. Is it easy? No. Then no, I don't want to do that. Right. But like, yeah. Uh, so, so I think it's a, uh, like, a, it's an equation, right? Just like we were talking about the, the process, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Where am I now? What do I, where do I want to be? And what do I need to get there? And it's like, right. well, do I want to invest all this time, energy, money, et cetera? And it, most answers for me are no. So. It's the it's the acceleration curve, right? right? So if I know I can get to a decent level relatively quickly, I'd be more interested in something than that slow, painful climb into mediocrity. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like if I can if I can pick something up and in a few applications, like I'll give you a real good example of something recently that I've been doing a lot is leafing. Like I I had never done it before. And I did the first piece I ever did last, I want to say it was last September or October. I did the first piece, which it's hard to see, but it's right over my head right there. Right okay. there. Um, I loved it. I was so happy with it. And it's the first thing I ever did. I had just gotten all the supplies. And the last piece that I just, I'm almost done with, I'm just waiting for the weather to get decent again so that I can put the final coat of varnish on it so that it's protected, is absolutely gorgeous in comparison like i can't believe i made these last two pieces that i made and it's like wow okay so this didn't take long like this is the kind of thing i'll pursue versus oh no you have to like it's going to take you three years to make a competent piece like i'll never i'm just not (laughs) going to do it i'm not going to freaking do it right yeah well and the, the thing is it's that the time old maker thing you see the flaws somebody else doesn't that's true too so like that recently i've not that i've been putting out crappy work or anything but it's like uh, like if i'm looking at it with a microscope but like <laughs> the, the person i'm selling it to doesn't care they're just like oh this is awesome and they throw yeah it you're looking you're there. looking at it up close they're looking at it from five feet away right yeah. so like like those cutting boards i did like i'd love doing the uh the all the different species you know ash maple walnut so you get that mm-hmm. drastic color everybody's like oh i love that but i'm like yeah, but it's it's literally no more skill than you know anything. It's literally a pile of butt joints, right? Like, um, <laughs> very on <but> brand. <laughs> yeah, I think just because you don't really see those kinds of cutting boards in Target or Walmart or wherever, right? It's it's that shocking thing, and like you know, I'm okay with that because I put my what I wanted to do into it. So like, it's right. a perfect kind of thing, you know. 
I think it's being, um, I think it's, um, some of it is just being happy with where you are. Right. Like knowing that you can, you can improve if you feel like you want to, but knowing that you're, you know, like I was saying with the acceleration curve, right? You can hit a level where you're satisfied with the work you're doing. It's really hard unless you're really into something to go beyond that. Right. Like once your work, I mean, I know when I started making cutting boards, it was, it was that, right? It was like, I can, these are good enough cutting boards. But then I made one that was like well above my skill level for a customer. And I was just like, oh, I could do so much better than this. And it didn't take a lot of like effort, training, time. It was just like, oh no, you could do better than this. And now then I, I got really obsessed with like refining everything so that they feel nice, trying different finishes so that I know that like when I run my hand across it, I want it to feel super smooth. You know, my juice grooves, the first few I did were okay, but they were a little wavy. The bit didn't right. hit right. Now my juice grooves are spot on. They're exactly perfect every time. All these things that came together, but they came together and I was willing to do them because I got a taste of what I could do. And I was like, oh, I want to start doing that, you know? Right. It was like when you're renovating a house room by room, you know, like as you mm-hmm. do something. And then you come back to the first room, you're like, wow, this is a piece of crap, you know? <laughs> yeah, I really, start over. <laughs> what did I paint this thing with? <laughs> yeah, sponge. <laughs> so, I noticed yeah. I noticed that because um, as we were getting the house ready to sell, um, February of, you know, actually September of 2021, as we were getting our house ready to sell, um, we were cleaning. We I, I say cleaning up, but I mean like, Every room was getting either a coat of paint or like really, really getting some attention so that it staged well when they came in to take pictures for the um, for the real estate listing. I remember we did one of the first rooms we did was the was the living room. We did the living room. I was like, this is great. Living room looks great. Then we did the kitchen and we didn't put a ton of effort into the kitchen, but we just made it better. Like right. all the way around, like we took the, I took the old range hood off and put a new range hood on. And then, you know, all these, all these visible things that were very obvious. And when that kitchen was done, I was like, man, we could have been living in this kitchen for 10 years. <laughs> what the hell is right. wrong with us? You know, but then you go, you know, you go to the first room that you did, the first room, which is like a paint, just a paint job. And you go, was I drunk when I painted this? <laughs> like, why is there paint on the ceiling? Like, <laughs> Well, the and answer was, is yes. I used to drunk paint all the time. Oh, I, I think most people do drunk paint. You know, it's funny. Everybody has like, they want to have paint parties with beer and pizza. It's like, what What do you think happens yeah. after you drink all the beer? You know, it's like, unless you've eaten all the pizza also, that right. beer, those paint lines ain't going to look so good. Yeah. Well, before no I cutting kid, in like, after beer. Yeah. Do that first on the first beer. Right. I always so. remember, I, I inherited that so well because my dad always hated painting. He hated painting like he would do he would every house that we had we bought one bedroom we would rent rather one bedroom smaller than we needed and my dad would put up some kind of temporary wall like that was his that was his thing he was like i can do this i'm a carpenter i can make this work and he would put up a temporary wall and then when we leave yeah just unscrew it break it down throw in the garbage whatever right and but he would get to the point like he would put the whole wall together by himself didn't care laying out, framing it out, putting up studs, drywalling the whole thing with barely any help. Sometimes he would get me and one of the other neighborhood kids to help him hold the drywall while he screwed it in, right? It came to painting. He would literally, he'd spackle and he would sit in the living room and my mother would go in and do the painting. Like he would not touch 
painting. Like it just wasn't a thing for my dad. So you had the other, uh, my dad didn't let my mom paint anything because it would just be everywhere, you know? So (laughs) that's, yeah. And he'd go to like, you know, the Benjamin Moore and buy the most expensive brush and this and that. And it's like, you don't realize when you're new, like the, 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 the amount of money you spend on the brush is directly related to the quality of that cut line, you know? It really is. I learned that. I, I think I was talking about it on last week's episode with um, Steve McDonald, but I learned that from Al Schultz from New York Woodworks because he needed some, he needed manpower and I can, I may not have his skill level at things, but I have manpower. I have lots of it. So I went up there and I was painting, literally I was painting green rings on something he <laughs> did for a client. And I granted, I didn't get as many done as I had hoped, but what I learned very quickly from using his was, Good brushes matter. Right. They really, really matter. Like, it's really important to use good brushes. Like, even even if your paint is trash, use good brushes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could get a pretty nice finish with just Home Depot paint if you had, a like, you know, a $20 or $30 brush. Like, yeah. Like, like, a good painter can make money with any paint if he's got good tools, you know? I, th- I have learned, like, I've most of the paint that I have, I mean, I have some expensive. I have expensive acrylics. You know, I'm not... I'm not a savage. I'm a civilized man who puts his pinky up when he paints like everyone else. <laughs> but most of the paints, you know, aside, I have expensive acrylics, but then I also have, you know, I bought a giant set of 48 of the um, craft acrylics from Michaels. They are fantastic paints for a dollar a bottle. They really are. Like it's, it's a miracle that you can get this much color for 50 bucks, you know, and obviously right. it's Michaels. So everyone has coupons, but once I changed over to better brushes, my painting experience was so much better with the same paint. Like I was miserable with the brushes I bought at Michael's oddly enough. But then I went and I spent, I think I spent $75 on a set of brushes. It was like 12 brushes for $75. I'm like, and that was Al's fault, strictly Al's fault. And I'm using these brushes and I'm like, man, it is amazing. What a difference this makes. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And I guess it translates into painting walls and stuff. Maybe I should stop using Harbor Freight chip brushes as cutting in brushes. Oh my God, dude. That's for like putting oil on a machine. Like. Oh, I know. Those brushes are awful. I, yeah. you know, it was always funny because you would realize how awful they were if you did a light color and you could always see the bristles sitting in the paint as you went right. over something. Like, well, like, nice. One thing for cheap brushes is like, um, you know, Jeff and Rob at Green Street, um, mm-hmm. they don't use uh, those Harbor Freight silicone brushes for glue. What they do is they take an acid brush, like the ones from Harbor Freight, and they yes. they, they cut them with a sharp scissor, then they pull all the hairs out, and then they use that for their glue, and then they just toss them. Huh. And he's like, yeah, and his... Okay. And so, I mean, they're they're a production shop, so like, you know, they're not, they don't really want to sit around like... Uh, buying ten dollar rockler silicone brushes sure. and cleaning them sure but he's like dude the amount of joints that i do like you don't need that silicone thing like it's cool to watch the glue pull and all that but like those are more <laughs> of the hobbyist kind of guys right and i was like oh it's like another use for for a, a good cheap brush you know like just use the acid brushes for your glue joints you know you know the mentality changes that's interesting that you say that because the mentality does change when i was making a lot of cutting boards i used to use one of those silicone brushes the biggest one is only a, like an inch. They're not right. big brushes. And I was using one. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was at Harbor Freight one day and I, I was near the, um, where the body, the car parts and body filler stuff is. And they had that pack and everyone has these, the yellow scrapers. 
that's like there's four different size yellow scrapers. It's like a two dollar package of oh Arbor for the Free. bondo, yeah, right. Yes, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Those. So I I'm like you know this would probably be really fast for spreading glue. Like True. this looks, and I got them, and my cutting board production time just <laughs> fell by like 25 minutes because it was like, oh, just slather the glue on and just run that card up and down a few times and look at that, perfectly even, seconds. Like, right. Yeah, production, yeah. production. The production people are the ones I like because for me, I'd rather have my processes be fast than perfect. Right. And I mean, especially with like glue, you're going to scrape off all the extra anyway and you're going to exactly. paint it. And like, so it doesn't really matter. Most of it's going to squeeze out, when, especially when you're making yeah. cutting boards. <laughs> Well, did you see that meme? Oh, maybe it was on TikTok. So anyway, it was a guy and he's like, this is the pressure you think you need when you are when you begin woodworking. And he's just like clamping down on the pipe clamp. And he's like, this is the pressure you really need. You know? Just yeah. A little... So that's another thing that, you know, it's again, that's a, you know, you, you do it. And so if you clamp down too hard on that stuff, it's going to slide. Right. It's going to warp. You're always going to have a cup. Almost always if you clamp down too hard. And the first thing, one of the first things you have to learn is you don't need to clamp it down like a gorilla. You just as long don't as it's squeezing it out. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I used to be like, I want it all to squeeze out. Like, no, you don't. You just want it to come to the surface. You're done. Stop. Once right. it's at the surface, you have enough. Maybe you need to clamp it a little more. Add another clamp in a spot where you're not getting squeeze out, and you'll probably get squeeze out there too. It probably just means it doesn't mean you don't have enough glue. It probably means you don't have enough clamps. Right. So. Yeah, it's the wild first. how much you learn. Woodworking is wild because you think you know a lot. And then somebody just comes in and goes, yeah, watch. And they'll somebody, I want to say it was Matthias Wandel because it seems like the kind of thing he would do. He actually did a test where he really wrenched down a clamp versus just making enough contact to get squeezed out. There was no measurable difference. <laughs> right. I think it was him. And I watched the video. I'm like, what the hell am I stressing about? You know, because all these clamp companies are like, yeah, we have 17 tons of clamp force. You need like five pounds. <laughs> like, yeah, just enough to hold it together for half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Is woodworking, I mean, I know you're, you know, you like to call yourself a skill collector kind of the way I do. Is woodworking, like, would you consider that your thing? Because, like, I mean, I consider, as far as the making world goes, woodworking is my thing, even though it's not, I don't have the crazy passion for it that some other people do, but I do consider it my thing. So, just wondering yeah, if I think course. so. I think I love the material, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if I had to get rid of, you know, all the other stuff, I'd probably stick with the, the woodworking, you know, saws and drills and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's something like about it, like uh, connecting with nature. It's it's um, sort of, there's a little bit of like a living sort of, you know, when you got to account for expansion and contraction and, and um, you know, there's a beauty to it. Like you, you ever get that piece of wood, you're like, oh, I got to save this for something. Then you have a pile of them, you know. I, so. I, I, it broke my heart. I bought a whole bunch. I went to, I went to the local place where I get all my wood from and I pulled, I was pulling Paducah out, you know, cause you buy it by the board foot and they just, right. you go over to the bin and there's Paducah. Take, take what you want and we'll measure it. And then we, then you pay us. I took this one piece of Paducah out. It was absolutely gorgeous. It had this piece of white sapwood right along one of the edges. It was freaking stunning it was a stunning piece of wood and it broke my heart that i was out of paducah and i needed to make a board for a customer and oh, i had no. to use i had to use the edge of that on a cutting board and it broke my freaking heart 
Like it was either that or the customer wasn't going to get their board in time. I was like, nah, it's just got to be. I got to just, right. you know, I'll find another one one day. But so what I actually did was I used maple in the middle of the board and then I used opposing pieces with the, with the sapwood. So it kind of looked like a crooked line going through the middle of the board. It looked really, really good. Right. I was so happy with it, but it broke my heart so much. But yes, I have had those moments where, God, this material is just stunning. Like when you see Al showed me something when I was in his shop the last time, it was a piece of maple that he had this, it had this shimmer that was just like, are you kidding me? Like, it looks like he, it literally looked like he poured pearlescent paint on the top of it. It was right. wild. And that's just the figuring of the wood. That's just it. Is, is that chatoyance or is that something else? Yes, that's the word. Okay. Oh, he, yeah, he yeah. used the word too. And I was like, I was like, damn, that's a Sunday word, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the buzzword going around now. Uh, PJ Flesher, uh, he uh, actually had that all. He was going on about that for a while. That's where I learned it from. It's a wild, it's a wild feature. because it, It's funny because it, things change, right? So there was the, everybody wanted burl. Everybody wanted some kind of burl and some kind of knotty, um, like some kind of dotty pattern on it. And now it's like chatoyance is the thing. Like they want <laughs> yeah. that, they want that, that wavy look to it. And man, that piece he got was gorgeous. You yeah, uh, have a lot of sapili like that. Um, I, I got a, it was a Facebook deal. Well, it was a Facebook come get it for free deal. But oh, the deal was you, you had to take all of it. Okay. And, uh, I'm like, dude, I'm on my way. I got an eight foot pickup truck. And, like it was <laughs> filled. How much is all of it? Just give me an <laughs> idea. So I know what to bring, but I'm on my way. Right. Yeah. He, he <laughs> am I a, renting a truck or am I, you know, right. like... so, I mean, there was like little firewood kindling pieces, but then there was like, you know, four foot, six foot. There was uh there was a piece in there. that was about 20 inches wide, a slab of Sapili. I'm like, Holy. And oh apparently God. this dude like knew a guy who worked at a, at a, a furniture company. And then he gave he gave him a hand by like getting rid of their garbage for him. I'm like, yeah, I'm on my way. And he's like, and you know the thing with like Facebook, everybody complains about is like if you're just trying to be a nice guy and give stuff away, like nobody shows up. Like you charge them twenty yeah. bucks, you got ding ding, is it available? Like a hundred of them, you know. <laughs> Not only is it available, but can I have it for ten? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you wouldn't take it for nothing, but you'll take it for ten. Right, you got it. So, uh, yeah, but a lot of my stuff comes from Jeff or like Facebook or like, you know, reclaimed sort of free stuff, you know? Yeah. But, oh, we got on that because of Chatoyance. But yeah, this, this is the appeal yes. I have is you, you plane it and throw some finish on it. You're like, holy, I can't put that. I can't give this away. You know? And what I love, what I love is you don't see it until you put oil on it. You do right. not see it like raw, unfinished. It just looks like everything else. And out of nowhere, you know, when you first start to see it, when you grain pop, and you spritz mm -hmm. the water on it, you start to get an indication like, oh, this is going to be pretty. And you put right. the oil on it, and the oil soaks in, and it just really, oh. This is, by the way, this is the beauty that metal metal people don't understand. They, <laughs> right. they, they don't, they never will. I don't knock them for it. They have a different kind of beauty. But wood is beautiful in a way that metal is not and cannot be. Just can't right. be. Just well, can't be. It's a, a nature made versus human made thing. But, yeah. But I mean, on the other side, though, like if you start welding stuff together and you're like, oh, this is fun. Like I can build a dinosaur and you're just like, Z -Z 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 -Z, and you're like, oh, OK, I get I get why this is cool. True. You know, true. <laughs> but that's not the material. Right. That's that's the difference. Right. The difference right. with woodworking versus metalworking is the material is gorgeous. And you're trying right. to make something out of something that's gorgeous. Whereas metal, you're trying to make something gorgeous out of a material that's Boring. not really yeah it's square it's round it's flat you know whatever it is it ain't exciting 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's different textures you can do with like blacksmithing and, and you sure. can blacken it and this and that. But like, oh, yeah. But that's not it, the material. That's you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's the skill, right? It's all the um, skill. And that's why I, that's why I admire people that do a lot of like metal stuff. I th- I talked about um, um, Bobby White. He's a jeweler in um, in the UK and he makes, you know, hundred and fifty thousand dollar engagement rings by hand from one end to the other. Like he starts with like literal beads of gold okay. and he f- melts it down, rolls it out, cuts it, forms it, makes, makes his own settings, like everything, like everything about the man is just amazing. But what's amazing is his skill level in doing it. And that's why the, the metal workers to me, I'm not amazed by their material because the material sucks. It's boring, but the skill level of somebody like that, or somebody like even like a Brandy Obey, you know, I love brand. I love watching Brandy make stuff. Her work is incredibly clean. You know, it's the the staircase in her house and the 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 things that look like the lanterns that she was making, those little crossbow arrow type um, lanterns and all the stuff she made. It's just beautiful stuff. And it's beautiful in a way that I'm never going to make that stuff. Like, I am never going to make that stuff. So I could just sit back and admire it and go, you're better than me. Good job. <laughs> what about uh, Lee Arapach with all the, the octopus stuff? Oh, another there? one. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that was just like, holy, like, I can't. I'm never going to be there. Like, that's cool. Like, I'll just you know, you know, it's funny. I don't know. If, I don't know if you feel this because, you know, as a woodworker, as a woodworker, not a metal worker, I feel like. All the wood people are turning to metal now, and I'm I'm like left. It's like when all your friends, like it's like being left back almost. Like I feel like I'm left back in elementary school, and everybody moved on to you know intermediate school. Like um, I, I I I almost feel like oh I'm not like. Granted, there are some people that are always going to be woodworkers, but I do feel like the people in my immediate circle are all getting interested in metal, and they're all moving on to metal now. It's like metal is the hot, the new hotness now. Yeah, I, I I can see that. Um, I I maybe there's more of like an instant gratitude kind of thing, you know. Like if you go blacksmith a knife, like you have a knife in an hour. True. Like if you you're making a shelf, like it's three days before you can put a book on it, you know. Like I don't know, maybe it's just like a. Could be. And then, and then like um like my my wood stuff doesn't get any engagement, but then like I put like a video of me welding on those bikes, and there was like thousands and thousands of views. It's like oh, people like sparks, you know. <laughs> i've i've hit that i've hit that i don't i've gotten to the point now where i don't i just don't know what's gonna pop off because i i could do i could do a 3d printed anything and just put the camera on it as the printer is just moving like i don't do long time lapses i'm talking just the printer you could see that something cool is going to be on it in about three or four hours and it gets you know three thousand eyeballs on it and then I'll do a thing where it's like, look at this project I made, start to finish. It's beautiful. And it'll get like 50. Yeah. It's like, I just don't know what, I don't know what you people want from me. So I'm just, I'm just going to put everything up, like what you like, ignore what you don't. Right. Well, that's like, uh, I guess Grant and uh, Chris full steam, there are things like, I'm just going to post three, four days, three times, three or four times a day. And, uh, you know, a couple here and there will pop off and then that, that's good enough, you know? I wish I had, I wish I had that level of dedication. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. There are weeks where I don't have that level of dedication to this show and it's guaranteed to make me a couple of bucks every month. You know, it's, 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 I don't know how people do it. And I admire it as someone who produces, I mean, I produce one consistent piece of content every week and it's this show. And I know what a slog it gets to be sometimes. Like even today, as we're talking, it is now March 3rd. When we're done recording, I'm going to immediately edit this so that I can drop it to the paid subscribers on Sunday. 
I'm not going to be home tomorrow. I don't have a choice. I have to edit this tonight. And I'm like, oh, God, that's another like we're going to talk and we'll be done in probably about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And that's it. Like, okay, good. Now it's like three hours of editing and finding B-roll and putting pictures up on the screen and, you know, adjusting audio and fixing video. And it's like, yeah, this is a slog. Like, I can't imagine producing content on a more consistent basis other than this. Like, I can't. Right. I mean, I'm a, I'm an amateur. I mean, I, I do everything just on my literal cell phone. So like, I got to stop listening to, you know, a podcast to take like a 30 second video, but, um, <laughs> that's why, I that's why I don't shoot anything in the shop anymore because I always have a podcast going and I want to stop what I'm listening to. Yeah. And shoot. It's like, I'll carry, I actually carry a camera with me because I don't want to stop the podcast I'm listening to, to shoot something. <laughs> Right. I've been thinking about getting a second, like an older iPhone and just have it on all the time. It's worth it. Um, it's worth but it. Then, That's not a bad thing. But I would tell you, there are some really good, for what it would cost you to get a used secondhand older iPhone, Right. you can get, you can get a really good point and shoot camera. I mean, a okay. really good point and shoot camera. Like, I mean, and anyone that's listening can probably send you suggestions, but the Canon G7X Mark three, which is what I have. It's their newest point and shoot. It's a little better than like your typical pocket point and shoot cameras. Mm -hmm. It's a $700 camera with like a lot of accessories in it. Like you can find, and you can find them used for like five to 600. If you want to go a generation back, you can too. But the quality is ridiculous. Like I could shoot the vlog video I did. A good chunk of that was shot on that camera. And it's, it's just amazing. It's an amazing little camera. Um, but that's why I carry that camera for exactly that reason. I don't want to stop listening to the podcast. Like, no, this is interesting. They're getting to the good part. I'm not stopping. And right. I, I, and most of the stuff I film in the shop doesn't have a VO at the time. It's me just showing something. So right. I'll either summarize it after the shot or do a VO when I do the edit. So it's like, no, I just need to shoot and I don't want to do it on my phone. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always that Gary V um methodology of don't create document right so like, yeah and i i kind of that's kind of how i do things i i agree i don't like i don't like my stuff as much as i like what some other people do but at the same time i also know that it's either what i'm doing or it's going to be nothing i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put like a morally curt level effort into my videos into well, or I, at least into yeah. every video you know yeah, yeah well morally i think is a youtube creator yes. Yes, and he then is. he does product for projects for content, right? And he Agreed. he does an awesome job at that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I think his focus is different than what most of like Agreed. what we would conti- you know our kind of circle runs in, you know. So I'll watch his stuff and I'll be like, his stuff is really good, like it's really really good. And I'll do my stuff and I'm like, my stuff's not as good. And you know what? I'm perfectly fine with it because I also know what he has to put in to get to where he is. It's funny. We're back to that again. Right. But it's the same. It always comes back to the same thing. Like, could I be a morally level creator? Yes. If I put morally level effort into my stuff, yes, I could be a morally level creator, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be that. Like it's, I don't, that's not where I want to focus my effort in my life. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a journey I'm going on either. I mean, <laughs> we can, I was, we can, we can sit, we can sit around and be spectators together, buddy. It'll be just fine. Yeah. Okay. So, let's just make a list of stuff we don't want to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know it's funny that I have, I literally have that list of things that I, I'm not going to probably ever do. Like I'm really good with resin, but I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be a resin expert. I'm a pretty yeah. good woodworker. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be Chris from Cowdog. You know, I'm, 
there's yeah. certain things that I'm good at and I'm happy with the level I'm at. And there are things I want to get better at. You know, I, if I had to focus on where I wanted to get better, for example, one thing I'd like to get better, I'd like to get better at making metal jewelry. Like, okay. I feel like that's something that like I enjoy doing it a lot. And I feel like sometimes I feel like I've hit my skill. I've peaked at my skill level. Like this is the most I can produce with the skills I have. It's time to learn new skills. And I actually am okay with learning new skills for that. As far as like cutting boards and other woodworking stuff, no, I'm pretty happy with where those projects are. You know, when somebody asks me for something, I can make it. And they're usually happy with it. That's all I need. Like that's good enough. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say cow dog. Like um, he was at the timber end, right? Yep. So, yep. so you have people who literally like Patty Gilstrap, right? She's amazing. But mm-hmm. she comes in, she's like, well, what do I do? And I was like, oh, just, you know, chisel, whatever. And so we're like, you know, newbies never touch the framing slick up to people like Justin and, and Chris. And we're all working in harmony and it doesn't matter. It's just, that yeah. goes back to that maker, maker community. Everybody's equal kind of thing, you know? It's, and, the, it's the best. Right. And it like is Chris is a really cool dude. Like if you mm-hmm. actually talk to him, like his, his content's kind of like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. But like. If you if you go to him and be like, hey man, like I have a Stanley chisel and a saw I bought at Home Depot and I made this, and he's like, oh that's cool. Like if that works for you, that works for you. But he's more of like, well, I'm gonna go down the Japanese rabbit hole and all this yes. other stuff and hit my yes. chisels with a hammer and blah blah blah. So, I I don't know. Maybe sometimes it's like that the 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 presentation kind of hits you differently. Right, right, right. But I think most of us, like you know, in this community, are are uh, generally pretty good people, you know, and willing to help and. I I have I have become obsessed with the idea. Like I was always this way, but I've just kind of it's become an obsession. I will actually say it's an obsession that I didn't get where I am on my own and I will never turn down someone who asks me for advice or help ever. I don't care. And if I can't help you, I'm going to connect you to somebody who can help you. Right. And I've just gotten it's become more than just a like a guiding principle. It's become a come to me with your questions. And if I have the answer, I will spend as much time as you need to learn your answer. I, if I have the information, it's not going to die in my head. And I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, I love teaching people what I know. And if, if, if I have a piece of information, it's your information. Just give me a few minutes and I'll explain it to you. And if it takes longer, then it takes longer. And I feel like I wasn't that way before I started hanging around with the people in this community. Like, because you, you're kind of surrounded by people who are all that way. And it's like, it, it's motivating. You don't want, you don't want your, your thoughts to die in your own head, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, if you know the information, somebody else knows it too. So if you're becoming this gatekeeper, like you're not going to be successful, right? Like, no, you get weeded yeah. out very quick. Those kind of people that don't share anything and don't participate, they get weeded out very quickly. Right. You know, I think that's not... Mess just in the maker community, but in life too, like, like in my professional career. And I've always been the guy who, if I know it, you know it, or if not, I probably know somebody who probably knows it and I'll direct you that way. You know, either I know it or I have a guy that's, that's pretty much, I think that's, I think that's the best way to live your life. Like when somebody comes to you, it's because they need help. And if you turn down people that need help enough, well, not only are they not going to come to you for help, but they're not going to help you when you need help. You know, for right. every time that I've given someone advice on Adobe Illustrator or how to process something for a CNC or how to make a file or how to turn something into something they can carve or, you know, 
questions about a website or something like that. If I turned down all those people, I'd have nobody to ask when I needed something too. I mean, even if it's purely selfish, fine, it's purely selfish. But if I need my people to answer questions for me, I have to answer questions for them. It's just right. It's an exchange of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So, Talking about we, Illustrator. Oh, are, are we getting close to the? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. So about Illustrator. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like, oh man, I'm on digitally creative. Like I got to talk about something digital, you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm starting to realize, I'm starting to realize that, that, that just is a guideline, not a, okay. not a hard rule. So go for it. But yeah, don't yeah. be illustrator is my, my love language at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting real close to just paying that subscription. Cause I, like, yeah, more it. and more people are like, yeah, just use illustrator. I was like, ah, I got to learn this now too. So I got to learn fusion. I got to learn illustrator and, I'm going to tell you, as someone who learned Fusion first, learn Illustrator first, because Fusion becomes a lot more in, a lot more usable when you can, even if you're just making the most basic of stuff in Illustrator and then bringing it into Fusion, especially if you're going to learn Fusion for Cam, right? Most most of the time, you're not going to make your you're going to take an SVG of some kind and put it into Fusion to make it, unless you're modeling something from scratch, which you might. You might. Okay. But I would say Illustrator is way more useful because Illustrator also connects you to lasers. Like if you never want to touch a CNC, but you want to use lasers, well, guess what? If you want to make files for Lightburn right. you know, or whatever, you're not going to want to make those in Fusion and export them and drag them in. You're going to want to make them in Illustrator. So Yeah. I'm at the point where making things in Lightburn is not enough. It's horrible. <laughs> it's, 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 right. it's a very – look, it's the best software at what it does. It's super powerful, but if you're doing anything other than putting something there to cut it, you're just wasting your time. It's not good software for designing anything. It's just right. Um, it's great software. I will readily admit it. I am jealous that people can use it and not the built-in software on like the Glowforge. But damned if it isn't like the worst software for designing something. It's atrocious. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got that trace feature down where you could just pirate, uh, you know, clip arts and stuff, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and they got okay center line vertical line all right cut you know so yep 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 it's um yeah i would say i would say look i so i was telling i don't remember who i was telling but i used to buy every every other year i used to buy the upgrade for adobe photoshop and it used to cost me three hundred dollars every other year okay three hundred dollars every other year but if i bought the when you buy photoshop at the time when i was buying it was like seven and a quarter seven fifty something like that i used to buy photoshop because i use it all the time it was worth it for me to buy it but now for a little more than that every year i'm getting every app right and it's like if you were if you weren't pirating this stuff you see the value the only way you don't see the value of the adobe suite at sixty dollars a month or whatever it is I don't even know what it is. I just pay it. But if you don't, if you don't see the value at sixty dollars a month, it's probably because you were pirating it before. Yeah, being, right. Being bluntly honest, and I, I'm not judging you for pirating, but that's why you think sixty dollars is ridiculous because you were getting it for free. Yeah, but I mean, one project is will pay for that. It, it, probably even more if you're pricing appropriately, right? So, well, that's <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. That's yeah, the, that's uh, another hour. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something that John Malecki and um, Brad Rodriguez will probably would probably talk about more than anything else because none of us know how to price our shit. It's just the ongoing right. discussion. 
yeah, the so. go away price is never high enough, you know. Or, <laughs> you or, thing. or yeah, or yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you give them the go what you think is the go away price, and they're like, ah, sure, no problem. And you're like, wait, that was my go away price. What is everyone else charging for this thing, right? <laughs> so, um, why don't we switch over and do some things of the week? Because you had, um, you had an interesting thing of the week that I was not even somehow it kind of slid past <laughs> yeah. my radar. So, okay. uh, let's talk, yeah, I guess in uh, in my circle of makers um we're always talking to like the facebook deals for the you know the drill presses and the and all the big machines that we have nowhere to put you know but then mm-hmm. the problem is you have to move them somehow so uh chris full seam designs just made a uh he modified a harbor freight engine crane to fit in the two inch receiver hitch on the back of his pickup truck Pretty so brilliant. now essentially he has a pickup truck crane that he can move these big heavy things around with um so uh now lucas wants to do one i want to do one so like maybe that's the, the maker crane thing is uh might be another a trend to go on here is it is there i mean i was just i was thinking about this when you when you first told me what your thing of the week was and the only question i have and maybe i just i mean i had a pickup with a box hitch on the back just like these. right is there a weight limit on those so yeah, so <laughs> we had this discussion too. Okay, okay. So, it's like, am I am, am I just being overly cautious? I guess not. Okay, good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so in the if the question was, is there a weight limit for homemade pickup truck cranes? Uh, no, because you're not supposed to do that. But um, <laughs> in, in the in the realm of like towing trailers, there's basically two weights, right? So there's mm-hmm. total weight of the trailer, which is a forward backwards motion. Mm-hmm. And then, so let's say for my truck, it's probably 8,000 pounds. So then okay. generally the, the, the tongue weight, which is the hit, the weight of the trailer pushing down on the back of your right. truck, that's usually 10 to 15% of the forward weight. So, oh. wow, that's so if a lot I, of weight. Yeah. So if I had 8,000 going forward, I could probably have 800 or a thousand going down. Okay. So if you think of like a Bridgeport or a power hammer, um, it's probably within that realm, but then. <laughs> The the other thing to think about though is this is a trailer going fifty five miles an hour bouncing down the highway. If you're moving so at hundred force, there's force moving down. Yeah, it's the weight. There's there's you know if you hit a bump, it's extra force pulling down. Yeah, yeah. So if you're moving at a hundred feet in your yard at two miles an hour, that you could probably get away with more. You know. Gotcha. So there's always a safety rating built in the things when for consumers, you know. So let's yeah, because I was thinking like. Way. When I had my when I had my pickup truck when I had my pickup truck you know the the full tow limit was sixty five hundred pounds, right? Um, and that was like the max it could pull. So I'm like, okay, but that's you know, like you said, that's like dragging it behind you. Like, what about bearing down on the trailer hitch? Like, how much you know? Yeah, that probably if be put it put it in seven, far enough. Yeah, yeah. That, you, well, your tongue weight would probably be six fifty seven hundred pounds. Yeah, which is not a whole hell of a lot. The crane would probably <laughs> right crane would eat up a lot of that. <laughs> but that's the consumer limit when you're dragging it down the highway on two day seven. Right. So right. if you're moving it from you know your driveway to your shop, you could probably get away with double that. So you could probably move a Bridgeport. Like it'd be scary as shit, but like you know, you could probably do it. I would, I think I'm just going to leave that to the professionals, but this, <laughs> right. I, it does look borderline insane. Like I'm looking at the videos as we're talking, it does look borderline insane, but it's also insanely smart. Like it's, and, it'll yeah, get the job done. You need a engine crane, a piece of two inch tube and two big straps. So like I have three, two of those three things in my garage right now. So like, why not do it? You know? Yeah. Why the hell not? I mean, if you can, in case you ever decide to get a Bridgeport, you know, you, Dude, this is how you can do it. 
if I had more room, I'd have a metal shop, <laughs> right? So no, see, see another one, another one. We've lost right. another one, guys. We've lost another yeah. one. But so. just like just stuff like even like a Tom Infinite Craftsman, right? You need a little bushing, you go make one, right? Yeah. Like you're not necessarily going to be, and it goes to the master, the jack of all trades thing again, right? Right. So I've done it. With, I mean, I've done it. I I under I understand that because I've done it with 3D printing. Like right. You, I, you need an L. You need an L bracket that's a little that's a weird size or very custom or hole placement in a certain spot. I fixed the bathroom vanity in my old house. I fixed with it was the first thing I ever made a 3D printed fix for. The bottom of the drawer kept sliding out the back of the drawer, and it's because for whatever reason these drawers were designed where the bottom was lower than the back. So okay. uh, the groove was literally right. under the back of the drawer. I have no idea what idiot designed these drawers. So I made an L-shaped bracket that I attached to the back of the drawer, and it just sat there and basically made a stop for the bottom of the okay. drawer. And it solved right. the problem. It's like it was the simplest thing ever. And I was like, yep, wasn't going to do that with wood because it would be too thick. Can't do it with metal because I don't have that skill set. I can 3D print like a mother. And <laughs> that's that's what I did. And, like okay, so yeah, totally understand. Need a part, make a part. It's a good way to live. It's these are good videos. I'll actually have I'll have the link to maybe one or two of them in the show notes so that people can follow along with it. Because Chris is always doing something insane. I'd be surprised if anyone that listens to the show isn't already following Chris at this point. Oh yeah, everybody follows him, right? Go fight Mr. Seventy five thousand followers on Instagram, for God's sake. Yeah, you know, I feel yeah. like I knew all these people when nobody was following them on Instagram and nobody was watching them on YouTube, and they all got big, and I'm just sitting here, not, not. Let's just say I'm not going to Workbench Con. <laughs> right. Uh, no, yeah. no one's come to see me speak there. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My thing of the week, I. So for those of you, I, I won't go too far into my deep, dark history and all the emotional um, pain that comes with it. But at one point in my life, I was 400 pounds. I was 400 pounds before I had, I went on the best diet ever, cancer. Cancer was the best diet ever. I went from 400 pounds to like 220 pounds in like eight months. It was a wild ride. Um, after my surgery, I was about the same weight. I got back up to 250. My doctors were like, cool, I want you to be at 250. That's good. Recently, I started feeling like my clothes weren't fitting as good as they used to. I don't know what I weigh now. I'm assuming I don't weigh that much different because the stuff still fits. It just doesn't fit as well. Like I've ballooned and swung in weight a lot. And I know when I'm well over, it's not, oh, that doesn't fit well. It's throw it away and buy something new. I've not hit that point yet. So but I was like, you know, I, I just, I can do better than this. Like I just got one day, I just got the bug on my ass. So I started using a program I used years ago to drop 60 pounds once. I actually dropped 60 pounds a couple of times. I, I weight swinging is a thing for me. And I use this program called lose it, lose it. L O S E I T.com. It's very popular. Everyone and their brothers used it at one point or another. Um, I will say this much. I started using it the first or second week of January. And I saw literally, it was either last, yeah, it was last week. I saw someone at the warehouse that my shop is in, and I hadn't seen him in a couple of months. And when he saw me, his exact words were, holy shit, bro, have you lost a lot of weight since the last time I saw you? And I guess the answer is yes, because he noticed it like instantly. And he hadn't seen me since the last time he saw me was probably the middle of December, middle of the end of December. And I started in January. So it makes perfect sense. So I guess it's working. I don't know. 
I mean, but it always worked for me. If you're, it's not a crazy, fancy, complicated thing. It's calorie logging. They build a profile for you. You log what you eat. They tell you how much more you could eat and you're done. And it's not for everybody. It's a pain in the ass, but it gets results. And for me, it's always gotten results. So I went back to using it and it does seem to be getting results again. So if you're looking to drop a couple of pounds before the summer, get your uh, bikini line in uh, good shape. This is uh, what you need to uh, what you need to take a look at. It's loseit.com. There's an iOS app. There's an Android app. Very good stuff. And there's a web app in case you don't want to take out your phone. You just go to the website and journal there and then it all syncs up. So perfect. Easy. Piece of cake. You know what else? You know what else is easy in a piece of cake? Making money as a podcaster. And the reason it's easy is because I have financial supporters who love this show. And those people include Matthew Serio from Artigiano Serio, Big Al Schultz of New York Woodworks, Tori Decker of Tori Did It, Ed Swanson from Ed's Clocks and More, Jake Drews of Make with Jake, Megan Chris from Onyx Designs Woodwork, Christian Neary of Warren Works, Jeff Stein, aka A Weird Guy, Kim and Garrett from Kim and Garrett Make It, Rory Langefeld of RLO Woodworks and DIY, Robert Jake Heller, Rebecca Cole from Beck C Designs, Brian Arsenault, Seven Hills Maker, Lars Coleman from Colorado Multicraft, Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art, Nick Birch Told of Birch Told Design Build, Jeremy Spies, Mike from Pixels to Prototype, Donald LeBlanc of Fun with Woodworking, Grant Alexander of Clamp, and Brad Harrison of Brad's Customs, and Billy Poulton of Poulton Projects. Thank you so much for supporting this show financially because I'm telling you, I need every bit I can get lately. Um, we're hitting the bottom of the savings, guys, and I still can't find a job. So, yeah. And if you're hiring for an IT guy in the New York metro area, I'm your guy. Anyway, um, if you can't support the show financially, I completely understand. Share the show. Send a like. Write a new review. Um, just let me know you're out there. Let other people you know. Let other people know you're out there. And let other people know about the show because that's how the show grows when people know it's there to listen to. Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure. I should note that Ed is one of my um, cutting board jig cu um, customers. And I, I got the order from you and it was like, whoa, is that is that him? Like I almost felt like a celebrity ordered one. It was very cool to see you order one. I'm wondering, have you used it yet, and how's it work for you? Uh, yeah, it's, su it's super handy. It's just some I have it on a hook in this in the garage, and then just mark your hole, drill it, and then perfect. I mean, it's just one of those things that's super simple, but um, it's in, so, so genius, you know. I love it. I always say, I always say, and I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. I didn't come up with the idea. I just did it better than anyone else had done it. <laughs> Like, right. I'm really proud of the way I implemented it versus the way other people do. You know why I did it? The dirty little secret is I did it because I did not trust myself to make one out of wood. Okay. I just don't trust my own accuracy enough to make that jig. But I wanted that jig to be good. So I'm like, well, I may not know how to do it out of wood, but I can model it in Fusion and 3D print it. So that's what I did. So... I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you're using it. Um, that's one of those things that I feel like I'm always going to be selling until the day I die. Someone's going to want to buy one of those from me. So, yeah, and yeah, that's one of the perfect applications for something like a 3D printer. So you you can mm -hmm. just get that accuracy, you know. Yep. And it's not it's not a high stress part. You don't have to you can just print it out of PLA. It's genius yep. to do it that way. You know. Yeah. It, this was one of my it was one of my better ideas, and I can't take full credit for the full design. I only had the one hole I was using. <laughs> And then I showed Ben Neiman from Make for Life Workshop. He saw the um, he saw the design. He's like, you know, it would be great. I'm like, oh, God. Whenever anybody says, you know, it would be great, it's <laughs> it's more work, right? Right. He said, you know, it would be great. 
Yeah, exactly. He goes, you know, it'd be great if we had holes, you know, graduated holes a little bit up, like maybe a couple of options for placing holes. And I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty good. All right. <laughs> when I redesigned, yeah. I added a couple extra holes to it because he was right. And once I did that, people wanted it. So I was like, okay, cool. So, it's it's always after you're all done and proud of it. They're like, yeah, but, and you're like, gosh, <laughs> now I need a rev too. <laughs> what was funny was it took me so long to make that. And and this is one thing that, you know, people don't appreciate. Like they, they think that, you know, oh, you just hit the button on the 3D printer and it prints it. You're right. <laughs> but it took four, five, six hours of modeling it to get a shape I like, to make sure it was accurate. You know, three test prints of it to make sure that when I used it, it the measurements that I assume are on it are actually where they're supposed to be. It took a little practice. There's a little bit of logic on that piece that I didn't know until I made the first one. I was like, why are the holes all in the wrong spots? And you realize, <laughs> oh, I put the walls in the wrong spot, so it's resting in the wrong spot. Oh, okay, cool. And you have to basically start over. But right, yeah, it's... It was a, it was a fun experience. I'm so glad you got one. And you're you know I've I've seen them I've seen like um I've seen them in other people's shops and I've seen other people using it. Every time I see it, I'm like, I always wanted to have that product that was in other people's shop, and now I do, and I'm super happy about it. But um, where can people find you and find more about you? Um, uh, I, you're yeah. definitely a worthy follow, and I want to make sure that all the um they get the full ed coverage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Instagram is probably the easiest place. So it's mm-hmm. Ed underscore Johns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook as Ed Johns. Uh, I just re-upped my TikTok, so I'm starting to post some little stuff over there. Um, and I have buttjoints.com. And uh, <laughs> I have a, my phone numbers on my Instagram, so feel free to call me too. Um, you can just show up at my house one day. It's cool. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. You're close enough. <laughs> right. Maybe when I'm down there for breakfast, I'll knock on your door. Yeah, I mean, if you want to grab lunch or something, or maybe bring yeah. the kid over. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. I mean, Harold's is like literally right there. If you want a giant pastrami sandwich, we can go do that. Oh, dude, <laughs> I would yeah. love a good pastrami sandwich. I would love okay. that. That sounds like that sounds like it might have to be a date. So, um, all right, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll I'll get my selfie with you because I, that's yeah. my that's my that's my mark that I've met somebody in person is I have a selfie with them. So okay. <laughs> Even though we've been in the same spot at the same time, I don't think we. Ha- I have no selfies of me and you together, which is really funny. But we'll have to fix that. But uh, yeah, there. Yeah, I guess not. Maybe it's somebody else. I thought somebody took a selfie at Maker Camp, but that maybe yeah, not. Yeah, definitely wasn't yeah. me. It was okay. Me. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving me so much of your time. I know you have to get out, and so do I, because it's three o'clock and it's Friday, and I got some editing to do. So stay yeah, tuned to the show. Go follow Ed. He's a He's a funny bastard, and um, if you, I, I'm, it's weird for me to advocate this, but go support the Makeshift Podcast and join their Patreon. If you want to really see Ed uncorked, join that chat. That chat is worth that chat is worth being a patron of Makeshift. So go do that. Until next week, I don't know who the guest is going to be, but I'll have somebody. I always manage to come up with somebody. Until then, enjoy your week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.